Well, hello and welcome to Dream Game Studios, the podcast in which Nomad and I get to know the dream game of one of our guests. And our guest this week, Nomad, is... Mr. Glenn Goddamn Moore. Yep, this guy is a UK comedian and um, he's he's been killing it recently, honestly. I, we, we, we poached him at a really good time because I'm pretty sure in a few months he would never say yes to uh, doing a <laughs> show with us because he is on a huge upward trajectory. Um, been on a bunch of cool shows as well. He's uh, he's he's been on Mock the Week. He's been on all those kind of cool TV stuff. So yeah, pretty much uh, above where we should be shooting. But uh, we got him. So I uh, hope you guys enjoy the app. Very exciting. Yeah, I'm a big Glenmore fan. Uh, his show this year on Edinburgh did really really well amazing reviews and it's currently on tour across the UK so head to Glenmore Comedy for information about tickets in there I think it's going to pretty much every UK town currently aside from London which means I'm not gonna be able to see it until he announces some London dates Glenn if you're listening please announce some London dates very quickly I would love to come and see you because uh, I'm sure the show is excellent but let's kick off straight away because what else is excellent is this episode of Dream Game Studios with Glenmore Welcome, Glenn Moore, to Dream Game Studios. How are you doing today? I'm all right, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, have you uh, travelled far to get to our, our illustrious studio? Yeah, I've travelled all the way to Edinburgh Waverley from London. Um, <laughs> so thank you. Thank you so much for having me here. Weird since we opened our Edinburgh branch, but uh, it's good to have you in there. Yeah, um, I'm the only one here. It's, I don't know why you sent me this <laughs> Not quite set up yet. Um, well, let's let's kick off straight away. Why don't you talk us through your gaming history? What were the first games you played when you were a kid? Uh, first games I had were I had a Sega Mega Drive when I was about five years old. And so mm. I remember most those sort of multi-packs of three games you got where it was like Streets of Rage, Golden Axe and Shinobi was in one. Mm -hmm. And and then one which had sort of a racing games and like Italia ninety and stuff like that in. And so I remember mostly playing like Sonic the Hedgehog and stuff as a kid. But I was my my gaming time was very limited as a kid. I was only allowed to play for an hour a day. Mm -hmm. So by the time we got PlayStation and I started to play longer games, like say like my favorite game as a kid was Final Fantasy nine. The ending, so like the boss, the final boss battle and the final cutscenes after that went on for just over an hour. And because I wasn't allowed to play for more than an hour a day, I would tr I was trying to defeat that final boss quicker and quicker every day so I could re so I could watch the entirety of that cutscene. Because no matter even if I tried to explain it to my mum, who just didn't understand games at all, on the stroke of an hour she would walk in and just turn the TV off. And it would just be like, oh it's just about it was like there's like one minute left. There was one minute left. Um and so uh I've always been PlayStation since PlayStation came out, I've I've been PlayStation all the way from what, one, two, three, four and five. Mm -hmm. And then the occasional sort of da like the occasional sort of dip into Nintendo for like uh, the Wii and the Switch, but and I've never owned an Xbox. That's going to change mm. at the end of this year, but but it's I've always it's been a PlayStation person. Yeah, I was going to say Final Fantasy IX is a long, long game, an hour a day. That must have taken you close to a year to to get through. Yeah, I think it's one of those things in retrospect. But actually, if you go back and if you played it now, I reckon it would take about thirty to forty hours. I really don't think it was that. I, I in my head, it can't have been that long. But um, like I, I remember me and my sister didn't have... A, we had the first PlayStation games we got on Christmas Day when we got PlayStation was Spyro the Dragon, Toka Touring Cars, and Tomb Raider. And mm -hmm. uh, we never finished any of them. But I remember that first year we played Spyro the Dragon for like an hour a day, never came close to finishing it. And then we... Because we were kids and couldn't afford our own games, we sort of had to rely on birthdays and Christmas and stuff. Um, so we never finished Spyro. And it took us like a whole year. And then I played it last year, 
played the original one last year and finished it in two hours. And I just don't know what, I must have been stupid. I, I, it, was, it was like, I, I felt embarrassed at how quickly I was finishing it because I was like, I must have been the dumbest kid. It was so easy, there's no challenge. I think I had the same thing with one of the early Marios where I played, I must have played the opening couple of worlds of Mario on the Game Boy, probably a yeah. hundred times over and over in car journeys. Because you oh, weren't yeah, allowed to save, and if you died, you went back to the beginning. Yeah, so. it's so mad to think that was the case. Because those games had to be short, didn't they? Like, I, I mean, if you played Sonic the Hedgehog now, it would surely be it'd surely only take about an hour, right? It would have mm. to. <laughs> it's, a, it's, fu- it's a fast game as well. Yeah. Very much by definition. Um, are there games that you've loved recently that you've kind of come on to? That, uh... Yeah, I, so I stupidly... Uh, so I set myself challenge In lockdown one, I started to play tons and tons of games. It felt like the sort of summer holidays I'd never had where it was like, I play for more than an hour a day? Um, <laughs> and so I was, play, I was playing for like seven hours a day. Uh, and it got to about maybe September or so, and I realized I'd finished about 70 games. And so I was like, wow. well, let's try... I, I want to try and make it 100. And I started Twitch streaming the end of 2020, and so when the PS5 came out... And so made it to 100 games and then set myself a challenge last year of 101 games. And then thought, I'm never doing that again. Never doing it again. That's been two <laughs> New Year's Eves ruined by me, like 10 minutes before midnight, desperately trying to finish Yakuza Like a Dragon. Like, never doing that again. <laughs> um, and then, But it's completely ruined how I play games now. I can't, I can't just play one game at a time and enjoy it leisurely. I've, I'm in this mindset now where I've got to finish as many as possible. So nice. I think I've already finished like well over 50 this year, even though I'm not like streaming them or anything. I just, it's just, it's just, and, and I, I usually flip between about, I don't know, 20 or 30 games at a time. And so if I'm playing on my Switch or whatever, I'll literally play 20 minutes of one game, then 20 minutes of another, 20 minutes of another. And these are like storyline driven games where it <laughs> benefits you to like play for like more than a few hours at a time. So I'd say this year alone, the best games I've played have inevitably been the big hitters like Elden Ring and Horizon Forbidden West. And I would put in there, and I'm counting it as a 2022 release, the PS5 upgrade for Cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved. Um, oh, really? I, pla- I, played it the day, I played it the day it came out, the PS4 version. Obviously, just it wasn't ready. And I love CD Projekt Red. Witcher 3 is one of my top three favorite games of all time. And I thought, I, I, know, I know this game is going to be great. I'd rather just wait till then. So those are sort of the bigger <laughs> games, but I'd say in terms of smaller ones, uh, let's just roll on to your your game idea then. Are those are that's a lot of different games you've mentioned. Are any of them uh, something that's inspired you when you're coming up with this idea? I think Cyberpunk. It's it, it's something about immersion that's but but, but, uh, but I I know there's a couple of games that have kind of dabbled in this a bit. Assassin's Creed multiplayer did this, and there's a, a game on Steam I think called Just Out Natural, which uh, and basically the, the idea being that the rule of the game would be you have to act as much of an NPC as possible. Because I think there's something that's put me off multiplayer games in immersive games, stuff like Red Dead or GTA Online. The thing that's put me off is, oh, it's really exciting knowing there's thousands of other people playing in the same city as you. But the problem is you can spot them all from a mile off because they act like fucking idiots. And they're (laughs) jumping around everywhere. And you go, this is completely taking me out of the game. This is completely taking me out of the game when everyone is dressed as a clown and everyone's jumping around everywhere and spinning around. And I think you should, a game should penalize people uh, in, in that, like in, in the way that people treated, like say mental health issues in the 1950s in America, like a van should just pull up. And if someone's <laughs> acting crazy, people in white coats just drag that person away. And you go, no, 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 you have to act as like rigidly as normal. And there's not many games I've ever done. That. I, I think there's a moment in the game inside, you know, the people who made Limbo, mm. there's a moment where you have to like fit in with like a, uh, a conveyor belt of people and you have to move at the same time as them and stop at the same time as them and stuff like that. I think more games should have 
this they should they should force you into this or at the very least if a game is going to try and be really immersive they should remove the jump button because that's <laughs> the primary factor that that takes away people's immersion i think but if there is a fun element in trying to figure out who is a regular npc and who isn't and um i think it would people would enjoy that a bit more if their character was sort of forced into it there as much as i hate in games like Get, say something like Uncharted. I don't think Uncharted actually ever has this, but a game where you're usually running at a quick pace and doing all this action, but games where suddenly it forces you to walk slowly for like a minute or two. Mm. I hate that. But in a, but in games where it's really immersive, I don't mind it. So for moments in Red Dead, I found myself often walking slowly because I was like, I really think this is what Arthur would do. And so I think <laughs> that that's what I, I, I kind of want to see that. I, 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 I mean, and I kind of wanted to see that more in something like, say, Whip witcher as well to just go like to a tavern and just sit with like a pie <laughs> this is pathetic <laughs> it's so pathetic i'm making it sound like some weird fantasy i've got uh, and i cannot stress this enough this isn't for every game not every game would suit this i just i just want one game like that I just want one game one game like that um it does remind me of i can't remember what it's called it's called like kill your friends or something um and you can't so one person plays an assassin yeah, and the other person plays as a regular person at a dinner party. I think mostly it's dinner parties and parties and social events and things like that. Yeah, and the other person, so the target, has to blend in with all the NPCs in this event, whilst the assassin tries to figure out which one isn't an amazing. NPC. That's what so... I want. <laughs> all right, I'll link, I'll link you. Like, so like yeah. wink murder, but in real life. That's all I want. Yes. But, yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. Okay. I, I, I need to look that up. That's uh, that's that's all, that's, all I, that's all I want to play this year. The There's a game for the ship this. as well, which is quite similar in, in concept, where you, I think you're trying to blend into a ship uh, of people. That was probably about 10 years ago, the ship. I think it was a uh, Half-Life 2 mod originally. Right. Um, and that was, that was quite similar. But let's, let's drill down into yours then, because uh, we're making a unique game here. We're not just... Sure. <laughs> Making something that exists already. Yeah. Uh, is there any particular setting that you kind of want it to exist in? I think for some reason, my ideal setting has always been um, really pastoral sort of like, basically the sort of setting you'd get on, a, on, a, on the label of a bottle of German wheat beer. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> we're, talking, we're talking monasteries. We're talking bald monks in robes. We're talking rolling fields. That is a hunt for some reason that's the setting i always seem to sort of want to gravitate towards in games so like witcher does it perfectly uh the dragon quest games do it really they're the only jrpgs that do that really perfectly i think the best example for a game that was very glitchy but kingdom come deliverance kingdom come mm-hmm. was amazing for that of just like really feeling like you were in like the woods and then you walk out into the woods and there's a huge field beyond it that's a sort of setting so any sort of real village there the sort of place you'd hate to live You'd hate to live there like 500 <laughs> years ago. You'd be dead instantly. But to visit in a game is is great. Yeah. How about big? Would you want to be a monk? Is, are you I a think monk? I want to be a monk. In fact, do you know what? Kingdom Come <laughs> Deliverance had a had one bit where you had to go undercover in a monastery and you had to work as a monk. And that, and that was a game that did. I think it did um, uh, immersion really well, just in terms of like keeping food on you and making sure that food sort of didn't go spoilt and stuff like that. When you had to like treat someone's illness and you had to like create some sort of herbal concoction the game was in first person and you would have basically like your pestle and mortar below you and then above you a book where you had to sort of turn the pages for the next bit of the recipe and it was i really loved that element that was great you know Mm. it felt like the sort of thing that would work really well in vr um so yeah let's say i think a monastery but a monastery where they get wasted 
that one of those monasteries, so like a, brewer, a monastery brewery, one of those places, yeah, where they make Francis Caner and Weinstefana, yeah. Do you like being drunk in games? That's something that I always sort of enjoy for about five seconds, and then it's quite annoying when your controls are kind of torn from you and you have to <laughs> yeah, stumble around. I, I wish, I wish I could get drunk like a video game character. I wish one bottle of beer would send me <laughs> flying down the stairs and unable to walk or function. All right, like the lightweights you play in GTA, even if you bolt CJ up in San Andreas to the heaviest he could possibly be, one bottle of beer would mean you then couldn't drive and got arrested immediately. Like, it was insane. I, don't, I can't think of any games that have done drunkenness well. I, I, games have done drunkenness in an, in an entertaining way. Red Dead Redemption 2, when you go drinking with Lenny, that's really fun. But I've never been so drunk that everyone in the bar had my friend's face. No, that's never happened to me. <laughs> um, I think there's... No, I think ga games do the... Um, impairment thing they go a bit too heavy on the impairment side as opposed to like the actual fun side even in games where beer can give you or wine can give you quite good benefits i never do it because it's always in something like fallout it'll be like yeah you suddenly get like a slightly higher strength but you suddenly lose intelligence or whatever and i sort of think i can never think of a trade-off where that's useful unless it's one of those games where oh you need uh, extra bit of strength to pass this skill check and you go right mm. down a beer then and i think that sort of thing takes you out of the game completely but i do i i do like witcher especially in the blood and wine expansion when it was in this lovely like south of france sort of area like a place i've sort of never been to in my own real life but going to these sort of taverns and stuff when you look at the menu I'd, I'd always pick the sort of drink or food that i myself would choose if i was in that situation so you go for, oh, I'll go for the camembert and I'll go for the, yeah, I'll go for that wheat beer as opposed to going for like the vodka option, you know. Um, so uh, I think it'd be interesting if a game did drunkenness well. Maybe that's where a game would, uh, that would actually be quite a good turning point for a game being immersive. A game where you do have to fit in as best you can, but something is happening that is stopping you from being able to do that. So for instance, you are drunk, you've been poisoned, but you have just got to stay as still as possible <laughs> without giving yourself away. And act as normally as possible. In the same way, like you're driving on the motorway and a wasp flies in through your car window, you've still got to drive. Like legally, you've got to drive as normally as you can, even though you really don't. You want to drive it into a wall. It, that I think that maybe. Um, so uh, yeah, I think there's get games treat drunkenness in the way that drunkenness technically is, which is you have been poisoned. That's how games de deal with being drunk. Is yeah, you have yeah, you've been really heavily poisoned, and like you're Daniel Craig in Casino Royale. <laughs> Like it makes trying to get out of the car, yeah, yeah. yeah. So how 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 would you do it well? Then what what are the what are the changes you would make? You know, just like everyone around you, their dialogue suddenly gets funnier because you're finding it more entertaining. I think the graphics get better. I think that's what Ooh. you do. You have the. I, I think RCX you bet, on. I think that's when the game suddenly goes into like uh like proper like performance mode, and actually the graphics are kind of fine. The graphics are like PS3. I think that was the moment where it was like right. I think. P PS PS3 is the last console where you can still play and just be sort of like, do you know what? If a PS5 game came out looking like this but had good enough gameplay, I wouldn't bat an eyelid. This is mm. fine. Um, but I, so I think that that's what they are. But then the moment you've had a few beers, it turns into like Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like that's when you suddenly go, oh my god, this is so much more. Or maybe there's like there's more to it. Like you, so for instance, if you go into a bar in a game. And the streets are empty as you go in. But after you've had a few drinks, you leave. Suddenly it's busy. So basically, you go in, when you go into a bar, it's like Cyberpunk PS4 version. Mm -hmm. But when you leave the bar, it's like that Cyberpunk state of play they did about six years ago. 
where it was like there's monorails flying overhead and there's all these market stalls and stuff like that. So actually the game becomes more bustling and busy the more alcohol you've had to drink. So it actually makes it, it, makes it something that you do want to explore. Thus far, it sounds like we're making a game that's largely been funded by the alcohol industry as some sort of advertisement for drunkenness. And it has, <laughs> yeah. But that's, think, think of the funding you'd get. Think of yeah, the funding you would get, yeah. We can, we um, can win with that. You know, I've got connections everywhere. Um, we'll, we'll go meet with, uh, with, with, you know, with, with Fosters, with Stella. We'll get all the beer companies in one big bidding war and see who wants to have the... the I'd be really up for And also, if, if it turns mm. out that that's illegal, then we just make it that the, you're not having beer, you're just having fruit. So we go, that's what happens when you have an apple. That's <laughs> what happens when one apple will change your life. I mean, I, f- I feel like the number one uh, brewery you should be looking at here is Buckfast, as you've been mentioning the the breweries and the monasteries where they. You where know they what? I've still never had Buckfast in my life, and I see it every single oh. moment. Uh, I, 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 I've still never had it in my life, and I just I, I, I something about the label, something about the label. I think it would kill me. Oh, it, it definitely, it definitely has the vibes of something which could kill you. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I've survived so far, but yeah, I've only had it like yeah. twice. But I think as well to, to so to make the game more immersive, the the dialogue before you drink should be basically the impetus should always be on the game making you go look isn't the game better when you're drunk no <laughs> so before before a giant drink, advert for alcoholism but not not to make not to make the game a miserable experience when you're when you're sober but okay. to just make it a bit less immersive so for instance if i always thought that like red dead i just because it's the game we've mentioned probably the most well, game i've mentioned most on this recording so far that um, with something like Red Dead Redemption 2, it was so based on sort of immersion and trying to keep as immersed as possible. Um, and they just tell you to do things, but then a bit of text at the bottom will tell you how to do that thing. Whereas in the PS1, they have no issue in taking away your immersion. I, like there's something, me, one of the things that me and my friends quote so much is from the torture scene in Metal Gear Solid, where Revolver Ocelot is sort of like, electricity will now be passed through your body. Now tap the action button and circle button alternatively, and I'll know if you're using auto fire. And he go, what the fuck? Like, surely Solid State would be like, mate, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and it was so weird, the video games used to just do that. But yeah. you'd, you'd be really immersed in the game, and they'd be like, oh, and remember, just press the triangle button and come over here, and you'd be like, daddy, you're all right. It was so weird. And games wouldn't dream of doing that, but that's what the dialogue should be before. And so you eventually go, I'm going to have a fucking beer until this makes sense to me. <laughs> and then and then once you do that people start talking normally again let's draw down into the actual gameplay then because you mentioned it's a multiplayer game it's essentially is it a multiplayer game where you're going for a night out with various people or, or is there some kind of objective you're trying to get through i think an objective do you know what i was thinking uh, i saw the comedian alistair beckett king post on mm-hmm. twitter recently going are there any real proper murder mystery games like in the sense of like a proper agatha christie i know it's like the sherlock holmes games and stuff like that there's slightly similar ones like Invisible Hours, but there aren't many games where you get a, get a series of evidence and then you cue someone at the end. I think L.A. Noir, I just, L.A. Noir made me worry I just couldn't read people's faces because I, I mean, looking back, it was the technology's <laughs> fault. It wasn't my fault. Because you look at L.A. Noir and you go, both <laughs> just uncanny valley. They look like what? like sex robots look like now yeah, um, they really do they really it, do and it was I, and, so, and I, I never really understood the difference between like truth lie and doubt yeah so it's always yeah. that like doubtful one you go well what's that one 
and you'd press doubtful and they'd be like, no, it was a lie. And someone would be sort of like, so I went to the shop yesterday. <laughs> yeah, you'd be like... And you'd what? go, well, you're lying. And they go, no, 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 that's a nor- That's what a normal person looks like in LA in this game. And you go, wow, well, I meant to know that. And I think the games don't do enough um, gathering all the clues and then reaching your conclusion. And mm-hmm. I think I think that would be quite good to do as an impaired detective. And we, and we know from Disco Elysium, people love playing as a drunk detective. Mm. Oh, they do. So, and I think a really crowded, now I know I said like a countryside sort of village sort of thing, but the pub on like a Saturday night in that village is sort of what you want. There's, I, I think um, video game crowds, like really crowded areas you see occasionally in third person games. Early Hitman games did this really, really well, but I'd like to see it more in first person games. The idea of like being in a nightclub. And being on like a nightclub, obviously this is a, 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 a sort of monastery sort of area, but not have a nightclub. But what I mean is in games that do have like a nightclub setting, you only ever see about like two people on the dance floor and you sort of think this isn't what it like. There were some moments in Cyberpunk where you went into like a really busy area and you were like, this is great. This is the immersion right here. Mm. But I think a properly sort of busy, busy, busy area. Because the more people there are, the more people you have to fit in with. And if we're trying to be a... I think basically I, I'm starting to think the game is called Teetotal Monk. And the idea is you're a monk who's taken a <laughs> vow of sobriety, but you just can't stop getting, you can't stop sneaking off to the pub and you get wasted. <laughs> but then you've got to hang out with your monk friends afterwards and try and really play it cool. While solving a mystery. <laughs> is this multiplayer? Because you mentioned before multiplayer and people are forced to act like that. Is everyone a teetotal monk and no one, and you've got to work out. Well, that's interesting thing because I, I think only one of the options would be fun. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think... Well, can I make a suggestion? Cause sure, yeah, please, please. I feel like the, the big fad right now is, especially with the Souls games, is like uh, entering in someone else's game as like, you know, uh, an adversary, you know, and it's like a surprise thing. And yeah. what, what I think the big takeaway from that is that people don't mind dropping into another game which they're not as kind of connected to, they're not as invested in. So if we if we're looking at a game where there's going to be you know a crowd, I think it would be absolutely fine to have people be able to drop into that crowd just to drop in, drop out multiplayer, uh, and and players you know just a regular dude in the bar in your yeah. world. You can still be the main character. I, th- I think like game studios and stuff have been too attached to the idea that everyone wants to be the main character. And in fact, you know what what we've learning from Dark Souls and such is that it's actually fine. Like you can jump in and just be a bad guy for. Yeah, or even and like, I, tell pal, and that's absolutely fine. So, I I really like that because I I really prefer being a miniature part of a game. I hate I hate when games mm. revolve around you. I love the idea of being. I love the idea in a game of like missing a train. Do you know what I mean? Like that that could happen to you in a game because yes, everything yes, waits you're on the you. Everything is there for you, and I like the idea that you are irrelevant. It's nice in a game to sort of build yourself up. I think San Andreas had that perfect journey of starting yes. in sort of like a, a really rough area, moving across to like the countryside, moving to San Francisco, moving to Las Vegas. He's suddenly a casino kingpin. You then go back to where you started. And that was really, really nice. Um, and I think a game that I loved that did that sort of element was a game called Freedom Fighters for the PS2. Oh, yeah. Excellent. It was, it was about Russia invading New York, but not with like... They don't do it with nuclear weapons. They invade Manhattan, like, on boats. It was great. So the, fir- the first level is of you leaving your office job for the day, and there's suddenly, uh, like, Russian tanks going down the streets. But the idea was you could recruit up to about 12 mercenaries with you, and that was really fun. All NPCs, but you all just moved as one big collective, and you felt like it wasn't all about you. And 
Actually, I think the Call of Duty cam single-player campaigns do that quite well, but there are always so many other people in your squad with you. And they're all NPCs, but they, if you do just crouch behind a rock for long enough, they will just basically do the mission for you. Um, and I quite, I, I, and obviously, I don't, I don't like the laziness element of that, but I like the idea of people will get shit done without you sort of being there necessarily. So, I did, yeah, I, 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 I think that's why I like to see sort of crowds in games as well. And especially if people have got more of a purpose than you do, and if it's NPCs, you have their, if it's sorry, if it's if it's if it's people who are invading who have got their own autonomy and can do their own things then that's quite nice as well. Um, I think as well, what, the way it would end each day would be I'd want a sober drunk home or, or attempted sober walk home. Uh, I think so. And this, this is kind of irrelevant to the gameplay element. But one thing I want to see return to games, and I know this, is, this isn't going to be popular because it is a real pain in the ass. But um, sa regular saving. I like the idea of games having save points. I mean, Dark Souls has it, for instance. Elden Ring has it. But I, what I really liked about the old GTA games, and they stopped it after San Andreas, was you could only save at your home. And so even if you did a mission, you yes. had to get home safely after that mission. And I really like the idea of that, that San Andreas was the last of the GTAs where I really learned the city inside out, like the back of my hand. Because every time you do a mission and you come home, you eventually learn the route. You, you, you learn all yeah. the different routes. And, you, and, and it starts off by you being completely lost and then eventually you turn a corner and you go, oh, this is my road, this is my road. And then yeah. after a more <laughs> mission, you're like, oh, this is the road, two roads away from my road. I know where I am now. And I, lo I love, for some reason, getting in a car, driving, turning that corner and being like, right, I'm on the home straight now. I know this is my neighborhood. And I really like the idea of coming home in games. And that doesn't really happen very often. I like the idea of it being a safe point and having an impetus to sort of go back there. So when you sleep off that drunkenness, you'd have to return to the same place, presumably in your monastery. I quite like that idea because uh, what's really nice about finding a new place is, as you say in GTA, is kind of discovering the roots. So or when you go on holiday and you're there for a week, you kind of begin to learn the city around you. Exactly. Um, and, it, and it looks so different by the end to what you had mapped out in your mm -hmm. head the first night you were there. Um, and a lot of games always give you a map and then you just kind of follow the map. Yeah. But I quite like that idea of having to work out a game world around you, especially if your monk becomes drunk and you kind of have to do it sort of in autopilot on the way home. So there's a chance you just get lost and you have to yeah, like sleep in Because as we know, the graphics are very different to what they were before you got drunk. So yep. essentially, it could the town could look very, very different. It's basically... It's basically Hotline Miami in that regard. You know, Hotline Miami, you go into the building, you kill all the people. And then when you finish the mission at Hotline Miami, you've got to go back the way you came just because it makes you mm -hmm. step over all the dead bodies of everyone you killed. Um, <laughs> it's sort of that element that it's, yeah, you, I, I, yeah trying, to, trying to retrace your steps is always sort of quite good fun. Um, and it'd be good fun if it's complicated enough that it's something you need. A, another element I love in games recently is a sort of game that you need to keep a notepad for. That is mm -hmm. something I, lo I loved in Disco Elysium having to like make a note of stuff i needed to do i loved in stardew valley having like a to-do list of right tomorrow's wednesday so i need to go to this shop and buy this this person's going to be in town i need to talk to them i need to give this pair of flowers to this person oh i need to buy some potatoes you know and all that sort of stuff i love mm -hmm. that element so I'd, I'd want some element of the game to be like you have to you, yeah but I, I, I mean to be honest if it's a detective game about a drunk monk then um uh, i i think that's the sort of game where you would need to keep keep a notepad anyway that's yeah mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I want. Like, Return to the Obra Dinn, that was a great notepad game. Perfect one for that. Let's just wander into the story of this game then, because I yeah. think it's an idea, it's pretty intriguing. If you've got the setting right, you're a monk who has to go to the pub to get drunk to solve some sort of mystery. What, let's, let's dig into well, what that I mystery think is. Maybe, maybe what it is, is um, 
you're well, unless it's a case of you're a monk trying to solve a mystery, but maybe the invaders are always trying to get you drunk and they're spiking your food with alcohol. Nothing more sinister than that. There's that <laughs> we could do that way, or you are simply an alcoholic monk and there's not, and, and but actually it, the game will not let you progress until you've had a couple of beers. That's just how mm. that's just how the guy lives his life, or it's a detective who. Um, knows they can only function when drunk. That's kind of what it's like in Disco Elysium. Mm -hmm. And actually, maybe it's the game goes, well, look, the clues are not going to... The clues and deductions you'll need to make are not going to present themselves until you've had a couple of beers. Ah, you okay, don't like have that. the personality like to, do, to interview people when sober, but the moment you've had a couple of drinks, you can start asking the questions. And so maybe that's what it is. Dialogue options. Like the dialogue options when you're sober are very, like... How are you? Would exactly, you like, yeah. Uh, and maybe you can get useful information out of that. You could, but it would just make it so much harder. Mm -hmm. um, and so maybe that's the way you sort of do it, yeah. But, but you, ha you know that for some reason, and maybe it's not even your decision. It's not even like you're this sort of flawed character or anything like that. Maybe it's sort of like you've sort of done a quantum leap. You've sort of leapt into the body of that monk, and that's mm -hmm. just the lifestyle that you have, you know? I, I kind of feel like there's an opportunity here to merge it with that kind of genre of is this actually a murder mystery going on or am I just really drunk? You know, is this actually happening? And then exactly, we get into like yeah. conspiracies and, you know, yeah. you know, that old TV trope, which it, which is kind of boring in TV, but we haven't really seen it in gaming so much. Am I crazy or is this actually a murder going on when you're sober? You're like did I just get drunk and accuse a load of people of murder? But no, but then like, I remember, and then you go, you open your like bedside table and there's like a bloody knife in there and you're like, ah, so I wasn't going crazy. Yeah. There is something going not, on. Yeah. There's, I mean, because also, I mean, as we've discussed, games do drunkenness really badly. I can think mm -hmm. of one example where a game has done the morning after quite well. And that is, sorry, I'm just stopping a washing machine from beeping. Um, <laughs> one example I can think of, of a game that did, um, uh, the morning after the night before really well, and that was Skyrim's Night to Remember quest, where you... Do you remember this? I'm trying to think back to it. You go... It was. It's the only Skyrim mission that stuck in my head, because I played Skyrim for like 100 hours when it came out in like 2011, and then when I finished it, and I haven't played it since, because I was just like, that game was too big, it took over my life, I feel the same way about Elden Ring, I don't want to play Elden Ring for another 10 years, even though it was like one of my favourite games ever. So, uh, Skyrim, there's a but uh, there was a bar in Whiterun, the main, the first sort of proper city you come across, that huge city in the middle of a field. And you meet a guy in a bar there, and he says, should we have a couple of drinks? You, that, that's, the, that, the that's the dialogue option. The screen just goes black. You don't enjoy any drinks with him. You don't see what happens. You then wake up in a temple, and a woman wakes you up, and she's furious with you because you've trashed the temple. And she's like, you, you, you got absolutely hammered. What are you doing here? Um... And you step outside this temple and you are in a city that looks so unlike any other city in Skyrim. And you are miles away. Like you, you check the map and you are like, if you did it by foot, it's like an hour's walk. So you're, you're just on the other side of the map. And then the whole mission is you trying to piece together, like the hangover, trying to piece together mm. what happened the night before. That's brilliant. Very nice. So maybe that's kind of what this game is. That, but look, you can try and solve this sober, but it's incredibly hard and incredibly obtuse. If you get drunk, you, you know, if if you're a bit more open to people, they might be a bit more open with you, either because you are more suave or maybe because you're more terrifying. However, the drunker you get, technically the easier the game becomes, but the harder the consequences are the following morning when you wake up and everyone's like, what the fuck did you do? And so that, that involves more backtracking the next day. You give your you so self a harder job. Exactly. Which means people are then harder to talk to. 
and harder to interview because they're like, you're that fucking idiot who just who <laughs> smashed the window last night. Are you looking for big stakes in this game? Do you like big stakes? Do you want it to be like someone really important to be murdered, like a bishop or the king or Martin Luther or something like that? Or do you want it to be something quite small? Like I don't know. I, I, like, it's so difficult in games because the thing is, in games, it's boring at the top, isn't it? It gets really boring. When, and and that's the... It, it's weird. When you play, like say, for instance, like a, a city-building sim or something like that, the moment your city starts running fully autonomously, that's what you've been dreaming of, but it becomes very boring. The moment in like Two Point Hospital that actually you go, my hospital runs itself. I don't want to play that. I don't want to play that mission anymore. Um, and so I quite like the idea of being sort of small scale. So I had this in uh, with Crusader Kings. I, my ambition of Crusader Kings, I know the ambition of something like Crusader Kings. It's not like Age of Empires. You're not meant to want to become like the king of everything. It's all about the storylines and stuff that emerge from that. And yeah, you will have these dizzying heights. You will also then reach the... When your character dies and you play as his stupid son and you didn't sort out your will properly, you will then reach the lowest of the lows. <laughs> that's, that's the way you're meant to play the game. But I couldn't, I couldn't shake that. I, I couldn't get... Like, because it's just not how I play games before. I know that's yeah, how it's yeah. going to be played. But actually, I really enjoyed it because I ended up giving myself an enormous like kingdom um in crusader kings and it being amazing and then eventually my character my yarl who i'd had from like the age of 60 i started the game as like a 16 year old yarl of one territory oh, ends up having basically the whole of europe he eventually passed away at like the age of 90 which is like unheard of in crusader kings i didn't divvy up the uh the property properly between his between his kids um, it fell to his, I, Ivan had to play as his stupidest son. Uh, he himself had a son. He died really shortly afterwards. The son died shortly afterwards. It then passed to the next son. And eventually I was left where the kingdom was still in, my kingdom was still intact, but just someone else was running it. And then I ended as this very small, like duke in this tiny territory as part of a wider kingdom. And that's how I saw out the rest of my days. And I actually really enjoyed it because I was like, oh, I enjoy being this tiny, tiny cog mm. in part of a wider machine. No, I do like it when the stakes are quite... I do like low-stakes games. I think indie games do that quite well. I find with AAA games, it's all about becoming, you know, the leader of the world. Um, and actually, there's something quite nice and relaxing about really small-scale games where, like, the job is quite small or something like that. I mean, Firewatch was an excellent example of that, of a job where, you know, it's just quite a nice relaxing job. It's just, you know, it's a nice game to play or... Um, I played an indie game the other day called Wide Ocean Big Jacket, which is just about, it's like an hour long. And you just play as a family of four going on a camping trip in the woods. And all you, and, and it's all about the dialogue options that you have with the people. But as far as the activities go, it's just collecting firewood and setting up tents and having chats around the campfire. That's all it is. And I, but I quite like that because it was just so, mm -hmm. it was so mundane. I really enjoyed that sort of mundane element. And if we're talking about a game that has, you know, we're trying to make a game as immersive as possible then actually there is something quite nice about like if, if your character does have to hold a knife and fork correctly, even though that's just what you would do normally in real life, there's something quite nice about seeing that in a game. Um, I, I, I think because you're so used to in games it being about a job you'd never have, an experience you'd never have, it is all about escapism. But sometimes those rare brushes of familiarity are really, really nice. I, I, I like so. Um, I, I liked. Uh, I loved what remains of Edith Finch. I know it's a sort of supernatural game, but just walking through a village that looked so so complete i'd never seen an english village in a game like that it just looked like you just really felt like you were going through somewhere in somerset and that's just so unlike anything you see in games because mm. games are always set in america or in space <laughs> it's like <laughs> there's not really anything smaller than that so it was just um yeah so i think 
Um, I, I, you know, what? I don't know how I don't, I don't know how I've ended up here, and I can't remember what the question was. About <laughs> stakes, all kind of stuff. We've enjoyed the journey, lines. though. <laughs> it's an interesting journey. I, I like that idea a lot, and I think when you talk about um, what, what's the word I'm searching for? Being inside the game and feeling like you're inside yeah, the game. Um, I think what's really nice is when your consequences feel real as well. The things that you do have an effect on the world. That's what's quite nice about Crusader Kings. Sometimes you can really mess up the world and make it feel like you've messed up the world and do something like that. Would you like a game where it feels like if you make a mistake, like you accidentally stab someone or pump, bump into someone, the game is irrevocably changed? Or do you think that would be too stressful? I, I quite like the idea of that because it means it's... Uh, uh, because... I know the I know the idea of those games is you're made to face your consequences, and secondly, it makes you more likely to replay the game. Mm-hmm. That's not the bit I like about it. What I like about a game like that means it keeps me on the straight and narrow. It keeps me playing as a normal person. It keeps me walking normally. I'm not going to run around and knock things off tables. So, for instance, I played Weird West. It was quite a nice game at the beginning of this year, that sort of isometric um, uh, sort of action-adventure game. And the idea was... You know, people that you fucked with earlier on in the game could take revenge on you later on in the game at any particular moment. You've got to be careful who you who likes you and who you upset. And there were mo- and so, for instance, I went running through like a funeral parlor at one point and knocked like a vase. Looking back, it's probably an urn of someone's ashes, but it, it knocked <laughs> off the table and smashed on the floor. The funeral director hated me and hated me for the rest of the game. And as a result, I was like, right, every time I walk through a shop now, I'm going to walk slowly and walk normally. And actually, that then forced me into playing as like a normal character. That forced mm. me into like being a sensible, law-abiding citizen. I'm not the sort of person who like obeys all the traffic laws in GTA, but like I did do that in San Andreas when I was about 18. Second time I played GTA, I, um, I didn't break the law unless the mission required me to. Um, oh, wow. So, yeah, so I, I had one bike, which you start the game with, and uh, you do get given a car as well. And those were my only vehicles. And so I made sure after each mission, I did have to drive back home and drive that bike into yeah. the garage and drive a car into the garage. Didn't injure a single pedestrian, didn't run over anyone, even as part of a mission. The only people who got killed were the people who needed to be killed as part of a mission. It was one of the most, I cannot stress this enough. It was while I was doing revising for my A levels, so that's obviously why I did it. I was obviously obviously going <laughs> looking back. I was like, well, obviously I was going through hardcore procrastination. But at the time, I was like, this is just how I want to play the game. Um, <laughs> and looking back, it was actually really boring. But um, but I do I do like I do like the idea of there being consequences because it just it just adds another facet to the game. It means uh, it caters to more people's wants because either you can play the game as a complete psychopath, and if if there is the option to upset people and ruin people's day and stuff like that there has to be a good benefit to it. But games always, games with morality meters have still are yet to figure out the benefits of having very low morale in a the game. There's mm-hmm. still no, I know like Fallout tries to do it of like you can play it as an evil guy and there's loads of, but there aren't. You get, chased, you get hunted down and everyone fucking hates you and no one will sell you stuff. There's no benefit to being a baddie in games. There never is. Um, and and I, there's probably some examples I've missed, but just from my experience, I, ju- I just haven't seen that. So there, there would have to be, but actually, if you are a dick, it's got to help you in some way to solve the cases. Really, it would, it would have, there'd have to be some crazy benefits to it. Uh, the next thing I want to ask about is controls and kind of feel of the game. Uh, from what you're mm. saying, you kind of sounds like you want it to be quite kind of janky and that you have to actively move forks around with your hands and turn yeah. pages in the book. Do you like that or do you find that frustrating? I do, but I wouldn't want it to be like VR where you are actually having to pick things up. And there's nothing worse than, like, VR-based stuff when mapped onto controls. Like, so it, it, it would feel like Octodad, mm-hmm. dadliest catch, where you just go, this is just endlessly frustrating. I'm trying to pick up a fork, and it would ju- you just, like, try to hold, you know, like, um, 
uh, it, it'd be like trying to like relearn to walk and stuff like that. I think it would have to have those sort of heavy rain Detroit become human controls where it's like, right, to pick up the fork, this, you do something immersive with the analog stick or you have to hold three buttons in a row or something like that, right? It makes you feel like, because you aren't looking at your hands, just knowing your hands are doing quite a lot makes you feel like you are doing a, an actual activity, mm. you know? Mm. And so I think that would, that would sort of help. I think in terms of just walking around this village, walking around the monastery, regular third person action adventure controls or first person controls you know yeah. you click in your l3 to sprint that sort of thing here's here's a suggestion how yeah. about um when so when you're sober you know it's like as you say you know you want to sprint you just hold down you know l3 whatever yeah um you want to pick up a spoon you know you just press a uh but you have a few drinks and all of a sudden to pick up the spoon where well, you've got to press a b and and x all together at once i like and, that that's way yeah. better because i what i hate in games when you're drunk is they go mm. ah now when you run you have to press r1 in, in and you go no i like when i if i want to run when i'm drunk i don't have to suddenly use my hands like that's not <laughs> that's not how it works but i like the idea of yeah it suddenly requires more effort you'd have to yeah. press yeah you have to press the existing button you'd normally press but you also have to press these things as well that's that's really good yeah definitely up for that because when you're drunk, it's, it's often like you've got to think more about your actions. You've really got to work yeah, through the you really do. how to do Exactly. Something. And I, I have a habit of trying to disguise when I'm drunk. Mm, um, and absolutely. I'm saying this to someone who, and I think the reason why I'm obsessed with drunkenness in games is because as a challenge to myself, I've decided to go a whole year without a single drop of alcohol to see, to see what would happen, to see how boring it would be. So far, incredibly boring. And I think the Edinburgh Fringe, the drunkest place I've ever been to, is going to be really, really dull. But... I, I, I've now forgotten what it's like to be drunk and I'm going to find out again on New Year's Day. But it, it's, um, I find that I try, I always used to try and disguise that if I was drunk and I, as a result, I'd go too far the other way and I would really try and enunciate my words. But what happens is you end up with this real sort of choir boy demeanour of sort of, how nice of you all to come. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, you know, and so I think there's yeah. a, you'd certainly need to like over there's maybe there's a risk that you over sort of compensate you know mm -hmm. one final question on gameplay uh, at dream game studios we're obviously an incredible studio and we have so many technical marvels and we can do mm. anything of technology is there any tech that you'd like us to include in this game that's not been possible in games before so imagine stuff like uh like full ai or or voice being able to talk into the game stuff like that are there any lines along those lines i think do you know what? I, so I think it's basically more just an advancement of what, um, say, Half-Life Alex had, mm -hmm. in which you can see your hands and your hands. Are, but also, if, say, the game goes into full VR mode once you're at the bar and you're sat at the bar, or you're sat at a table, your entire lower half is hidden behind the table. So that's fine. Or you can then see your hands and your entire arms so as a result, you can just sort of move it. You can look around and feel it. I would quite like the idea of a VR game where it goes, yeah, the VR is you are sat down, you are just looking around. Because mm -hmm. I think uh, like phasmophobia, it takes away the scares when you see how your friends are moving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I like the idea of like, right, if the VR is you are stationary, then that, that would allow you to be able to see your arms and see your hands and stuff like that. I, I think that, that, that it, it's such a small thing, but that's what I, that's kind of what I'd want. That, that, that would push me over it in terms of like, that would sell VR to me. That would be the thing that makes me go, right, get a VR headset. That, um, I think more than anything else. Also maybe, um, haptic feedback across your entire body. Uh, so like if you have those, if you have those sort of like electrodes strapped to you all over, that would um, <laughs> be agonizing. Is that what you want? Because they always do that in films. Not what I want. I think it would kill me. 
There's so many games and films, games in a film where it's like, and you feel everything, and you get shot, and it will really hurt. And it's like, yeah, and you go, why, would I, why would I want to do that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we yeah. don't need pressure pads all over the body. You know, this is all controlled from like the the the, the brain, right? We just get one little like uh, electro just put in the base of the the skull. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah exactly. comes it easy. We can do that. <laughs> we'll test it on the interns. No worries, we can get that done. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Any thoughts about actors or voice actors you'd want in this game? Do you like it when suddenly there's Keanu Reeves in a game? Was that your favourite thing in uh, Cyberpunk? Or do you like it just to be real people? I would want it to be someone who you know loves video games. So you'd want it to be someone like Henry Cavill. Mm -hmm. You know, because it makes me feel stupid if, like, if there's something I... If you're, like, a big fan of Star Wars and you see them interview... Harrison Ford, and they go, "Are you excited about?" And you, st- and he goes, oh, "I couldn't. Get- I couldn't- I couldn't- I've never fucking watched that shit." You go, "Oh no, I feel stupid for watching it because you're involved in it more than I am, and you think it's dumb." So now I think it's dumb for liking it. Um, I- I- I'm only sad because I remember talking to a, um, really finding a comedian's bit really funny once at like a new material night, and I said, "I love that bit," and he went, "Really? That's fucking shit." And he like judged me for liking his bit, and it was like, <laughs> "You presented it on stage." Um, and so I would, I, I, I so got the impression. So I, 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 um, I, I'm part of a, a gaming show on the BBC where we, we interviewed Keanu Reeves for cyberpunk and he just great guy, but you were fully aware at all times. He's never playing that game. He's got no interest in it at all. And you just want them to, at least with a movie, they are forced to watch it at the premiere. Like I, I, ju- I just think the person would need to care. And also because there's something about with voiceovers more so with acting in person that with voiceovers, obviously you're aware all the dialogue is recorded on different days and with people in different countries and all across the world. But it's easier when it's say like the cast of like the last of us and you're listening to it and, it, and, and you can get into it and stuff like that. With cyberpunk, you were so aware that Keanu Reeves wasn't hearing any of the dialogue back to him. Mm. He was just saying all his oh, lines. Yeah. And that's not, I, I put in a great performance. But I was just so aware I was listening to someone who probably ultimately didn't want to be there. Because mm-hmm. despite despite games making more money than films, they're just still not the same. They're not held in the same high esteem. And um, and I, I, to be honest, dialogue wise, nor should they be. I, I I firmly believe video games are art. They absolutely are. Um, but in terms of dialogue, games are leagues behind TV and film. They they, they really are. Last of Us was one of the few times I I, I really really felt really fully believable dialogue excellent storyline and stuff like that naughty dog have graded it but beyond that it is it is a fair few steps behind and and don't even get me started on video game humor that is the <laughs> i can't do it it makes me so it makes me feel so bleak you'd want your laura davies you know you'd want your um uh oh god who plays joel who plays nathan drake as well those guys you want those guys all right you those are the people you'd want for the game like established video game voiceover actors not not movie stars you're not looking to see Robert De Niro as a monk or something, see his face. No, is it, do you know what? If that's what it is. It's the older the actor, the less I'd want to see them in a game. Mm-hmm. Because I go, <laughs> you don't know what this is. You don't know what this is going on. You've got no idea. It's a confused it was, old man. Yeah, it's a bit like I loved um, Observer System Redux. But I mean, just it was it took me out of it so much listening to the audio of like a, an audibly dying Rutger Hauer. Um, who just clearly didn't even know he was doing dialogue for a video game. It was just like, it just felt, it, it, it made me feel quite sad. 
<laughs> Fair enough. Okay, <laughs> you won't include anyone then who doesn't want to be included. Uh, um, yeah. Any any thoughts on the title? You said teetotal monk. Does that still describe it I to think you? Teetotal monk. Drunk monk sounds like it's a bit too like, hey, we're wacky. So I think yeah, teetotal monk um, is. I quite like that. I think yeah, but he's not a teetotal monk. So that's the that's the twist of the story. Mm. Could you play it teetotal? You could you could kind of not have a drink, but you're probably not really experiencing this game. No, I think I think it's a case of like you absolutely can, but it's like when someone does uh, no weapons run of Dark Souls. Do you know what I mean? It's like you could. It's not how the game's meant to yeah. be played. If you do want to do it completely totally, you absolutely can. It's just it's very hard. The, cl the clues given by the I tell you what, the clues given by people when they're sober make as much sense to you as the dialogue of the NPCs in Bloodborne, where they're like, <laughs> "Ah, you from the profaned ash." Uh, 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 you go, what the fuck is that meant to? Like, I'm not, I'm not looking that up. I'm not looking that up. Any thoughts on cover art? Are there any favourite cover arts you have you'd want to ape? Uh, I'd want it to look like a row of bottles of like mm -hmm. Belgian wheat beer uh, with the the monk in the centre bottle on the label, like the bottle, like a bottle of Francis Cana. Well, and the ones either side having having like those sort of. I'd I'd want it to look like a. Uh, stained glass windows again kingdom come deliverance did it so well where the menus were stained glass windows it was mm. just great really really great that's what i'd want all the other bottles to look like yeah equipment um you know will there be any equipment in this game and uh will that uh will that impact you in any way or is it purely just kind of floating through um as a as a more ethereal being who doesn't interact as much with the with the things you pick up um any equipment you can um put on you as well armor well obviously not armor but clothes which change things up I think uh, I, I'd like a game. I like when a game has like a rucksack that's realistic um, that you can fill that rucksack up. And uh, I, it's tricky because I both do not like the idea of in a game having 12 different assault rifles and they're just on your person. You just go, come, no, I don't. Come on. Um, at the same time, uh, I, uh, I, I find it endlessly frustrating a Resident Evil style uh, inventory where you have eight slots. I'm playing phobia saint dofnia hotel at the moment and you have a very very small it's just like an old resident evil game but you you have a very small inventory and that that's really frustrating but i think if it's set in a small enough sort of village actually it's not a hassle to go home uh and also uh, uh, and so may, maybe you just collect stuff from home you can keep loads of stuff on your on, on your person um and get games that because the, the games that do it worst are the ones that try and have their cake and eat it and try and do a halfway point so as much as i loved horizon forbidden west I hated that you could maybe have five weapons on you at all times, which is quite a lot of weapons, but enemies had about eight different status effects they could be affected by. So you could, those five weapons, there's five weapons each with different status effects, but there's eight overall status effects. So it means at any one time there's three status effects you don't have access to. So you have to constantly switch through your inventory and change those out. And that's quite annoying. I think one of the funniest examples of inventory in recent years uh, was um, probably Visage, uh, the first-person horror game. It's a lot, a lot like Silent Hills mm -hmm. PT, uh, in which uh, you just had two hand slots. You had your left hand and your right hand. Um, and because the game is very, very dark and you had to try and light candles and stuff all the time or try and replace the light bulbs because they always, get, they always flick off in a spooky way, uh, what often meant was you were walking around this haunted house just holding two light bulbs out in front of you and it just looked <laughs> <the pain. laughs> I, yeah, I quite like the idea of getting, having a bag you have to rummage through. Like, if you have a bigger bag, there's more rummaging yeah. to do. So rather yeah, than and even if, like, you don't have to... Because I like the idea of when you open the menu, I think Days Gone might have done this, where it just shows an animation of why you're selecting the stuff, he's just there crouched rummaging through the bag. Mm, That's yeah. quite nice.
yeah, definitely in for that, up for that, yeah. Um, but also, like, if all the items are small and all the items are just bits of paper or scissors and stuff like that, a monk's robes can fit quite a lot. And if he's yeah, got lots yeah. of pockets in the lining and a rucksack, I think it, you could have a lot of it. It's just the idea of, like, oh, he couldn't have both a shovel and a rake on him at both times. <laughs> yeah. And again, when you're sober, like, you just, you you look into your inventory and it's just all there. You can choose whatever you want okay. immediately. Exactly. You'll get exactly. it is, right? Yeah, yeah. When you're drunk, stronger. you got to find the right pocket. you got to be like, shit, which one is this in? Where did it go? Is it in the top yeah, sleeve? Nice. Yeah. Is it in, yeah, and you got to try and find it. And that could lead to some fun stuff as well. You know, say you get into some trouble and someone's like, you know, wanting to assault you and you need something to defend yourself with. So you need to remember where you put the scissors but yeah. then, because you're drunk, you need to remember which pocket you put the scissors in. You got to find it in time before this guy beats the shit out of you. Yeah, yeah. that's some some interesting stuff. Uh, last question from me then: What's the conclusion of the game? What's the uh, what's the grand finale? What's the climax? Uh, I want it to be that there's no set. So basically, well, hello and welcome to Dream Game Studios, the podcast in which Nomad and I get to Ooh. know the dream game of one of our guests. And our guest this week, Nomad, is. Mr. Glenn Goddamn Moore. Yep, this guy is a UK comedian and um he's he's been killing it recently, honestly. I we 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 poached him at a really good time because I'm pretty sure in a few months he would never say yes to uh doing a <laughs> show with us because he is on a huge upward trajectory. Um been on a bunch of cool shows as well. He's uh he's he's been on Mock the Week, he's been on all those kind of cool TV stuff. So yeah, pretty much uh above where we should be shooting, but uh we got him. So uh hope you guys enjoy the app. Very exciting. Yeah, I'm a big Glenmore fan. Uh, his show this year on Edinburgh did really, really well. Amazing reviews. And it's currently on tour across the UK. So head to Glenmore Comedy for information about tickets in there. I think it's going to pretty much every UK town, currently aside from London, which means I'm not going to be able to see it until he announces some London dates. Glenn, if you're listening, please announce some London dates very quickly. I would love to come and see you because uh, I'm sure the show is excellent. But let's kick off straight away because what else is excellent is this episode of Dream Game Studios with Glenn Moore. That there is definitely, a say, a, a, if it is a murder mystery, you know, if that's what the crime is, that there is definitely a definitive right answer, but that the game would allow you to accuse whoever you want, because that's something you don't really see much in murder mystery games, where you could just literally point to any NPC and go, it's that person. There's not enough of that, and that's what I really think you want. And the game would basically tell you, you're wrong. But <laughs> I don't think it then, is. Try then, again. Like, but uh, yeah, but uh, I, li I like the idea of just having that openness of being able to sort of do that. Mm. Yeah, agreed. Sounds lovely. I think this sounds really good to me. I'm very excited. It's this, a lot of people love open kind of simulation games, but I think this is quite a rich one. I think uh, monks monks are an underused person in games. There's not many monk games. Exactly. And because you are just simply a person just walking around, you aren't building anything, that helps with the immersion. I, I, I really enjoyed a game like The Forest, but mm. the immersion was taken away when you're just constantly just building all these huts and houses and stuff like that. And you think, that's not how I'd survive. I'd die. I'd die immediately. <laughs> Well, I'm happy to leave it there. I'm I'm definitely going to commission this game. Uh, do you agree, No Man? Or is it not for you? I really appreciate that. Oh yeah, this, this is this is a winner in my books. You know, we're going to win some titles with this one. I might have to make like a sub company because I feel like this would do better as like a indie title. You know, if you make it AAA, it's not a triple I I wouldn't want it to be a triple Oh yeah, not at all. Mm -hmm. Don't worry, we'll create a subsidiary and then uh, pretend that's that we like, have nothing yeah, to do yeah. with it. Perfect. Do we do it all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, excellent. Right. Great. Uh, I think we can leave it there then. Thanks so much for coming on, Glenn. It's been lovely to talk to you. Uh, and, and yeah, look forward to playing the game. Guys, thank you so much for having me. Thank you very much, Glenn.
Wow, we what an episode. Uh, I think that game sounded pretty interesting. I love drunkenness in games, and I think a drunk simulator is exactly what I'm looking for in the gaming world. I hate drunkenness in games, which is why I like this one, because it sounds like it does it right. And uh, yeah, ton of cool ideas, ton of cool mechanics. You know, I love these episodes where we just really drill down into it, you know, where we really get into the nitty gritty and uh, kind of discuss interesting new concepts. So uh, yeah, really enjoyed this one. Uh, thank you, Glenn, for coming on and uh, look forward to the next episode. Yeah, thanks everyone for listening. The next episode, I'm not sure who we're going to release. We've got lots of stuff upcoming to release. Uh, so check out on Twitter for upcoming releases. And once again, do check out glenmorecomedy.com. Thanks so much for listening. I will see you next week for some more Dream Game Studios. Should we do this again? <laughs>